She had to abandon the taxi at the protest blockade and walk the rest of the way. She crossed the goods entrance forecourt to the back door of the workplace unit. The unit was more like a film set. A large warehouse with a footprint of 30,000 square metres, rigged with tracks and grids to hang and project and make real whatever was in her imagination. Whatever she could concoct with smoke and mirrors to beguile and entrance the wide-eyed and hopeful guests of the gathering. She punched in her ID code and got the flat-toned bleep of error, fail. She punched it in again, and again, then faster, then harder, till she suddenly realised, like a whack on the back of her head, they'd switched to thumbprint plates. She knew that. She'd instigated it as a necessary step-up, upgrade, it would have been called, till the lingo changed last week, last month, some time ago, it was hard to say with any degree of certainty. It was recently. She'd used the thumbprint plate last night. What was wrong with her? Not getting it right, not being on the ball, she needed to up her game. She was tired. She was getting angry with herself, beating herself over the back of her head like a whack, metaphorically, not physically, obviously. Of course she wasn't physically beating herself over her head, but it felt like that. Her head was pounding. She'd been having headaches for a month or two, maybe three. It was difficult to say with any degree of certainty, but the headaches had been building, intensifying, accumulating, waves building but never breaking, building and building higher and higher, like an alarm going off constantly, sometimes right next to her ear, sometimes in the distance, but still clawing like a spike, a rusty nail, frail metal blistering and peeling away, rusting, offering no protection at all. Thumbprint applied to plate. Door lock lights up. Doors slid open. A heavy clunk, clunk, clunk sealed them shut. She was down on herself. Why was she so stupid? She'd better catch up, better step up, better gear up, up her game. Her toes clenched tight inside her shoes as she quickened her pace. The narrow backstage corridor seemed to be lengthening ahead of her, away from her, further and further as she walked faster and faster, but seemed to get no nearer the end of the corridor. The end of the corridor got no nearer. The artificial lighting above her glared down at her. Each harsh light was jeering, sneering at her. She just wanted to get to her office, but this ugly corridor wasn't letting her. Stupid, she was calling it under her breath. Stupid, stupid. She made it to her office and drank more coffee, laced with more than the recommended two drops of painkiller. Nothing was shifting this thumping head, the crick in her neck, from not sleeping properly, not sleeping or resting. It was past opening time, guests had already arrived, been assembled, made welcome and at ease. She looked at her watch, the hands seemed to move so slowly, the gap between each tick and tock. It was time she was out there with the guests, it was time to get going. 
She was out of her seat and running down the corridor before the alarm sounded. A fraction of a second before the alarm went off. She heard the alarm before it sounded. This was the alarm that never went off. The alarm they'd been trained how to deal with if such a situation should arrive. And just such a situation had clearly arisen. The alarm was so loud, it was hard to tell where it was coming from. It was so loud, it felt like she was inside the alarm, inside the sound. It was so loud, it made it difficult to think straight. She rushed along the harshly lit backstage corridor to get to the onstage area where there was an emergency crisis action station's full-blown nuclear had been initiated and was fully engaged. Security code green, green for go, green for get every person out of there right now. She was, of course, heading straight into the crisis. That was her job, her responsibility as manager of the gathering to not only look after guests, but to be in charge of her team. As she arrived in the arena, she saw honored guests crouching and huddled together with shocked and terrified faces, guests cowering. Her guests, that her team was supposed to be looking after, providing every whim and desire for, every want and every need. But her team were not doing anything remotely close to what they were supposed to be doing, what they'd been trained to do in the event of such a security crisis arising. Her team were hiding behind the quickly erected security shields. They were all staring up into the high ceiling. They were shivering and gibbering like little monkeys, not doing anything remotely like what they were supposed to be doing. What are you doing? she shouted. She looked over at the security guards who were standing around in twos and threes, staring up into the metal framework of the high ceiling, a network of grids holding up rigging and huge aluminium tubing. She turned to look back at her team. What's going on? she said. It's up there, they pointed. It's in the roof. It's going to kill us. It's going to kill us all. One of her team started crying. Then something clattered overhead. Everyone screamed and shrank back even lower. She looked up and saw what was flapping. A pigeon flew across from one metal girder to another. It's a bird, she said. A pigeon. Her team looked baffled. Is it going to kill us? One of them said. No, it's a bird. Have you not seen a bird before? The pigeon flew around and landed on top of one of the huge air convents. She said, It must have got in here somehow and doesn't know what to do. One of her team said, You mean someone let it in here on purpose to attack us? No, it's a bird, just a bird. It's not going to attack anyone. She watched the pigeon fly from one girder to another. There was a sudden whirring sound as a drone powered up and rose into the air. This seemed to shift the mood of her team. They'll get it with the drone, they said and cheered. They'll blast it, they'll nuke it, they shouted. She turned her head and watched the drone fly up towards the pigeon, but it didn't stop. It smashed through the ceiling and punched a hole right up through the roof, then it carried on ascending till it disappeared completely into the sky. She looked up into the gaping hole as debris fell onto the cowering crowds. The security guards started running around. 
The drone not stopping and punching a hole in the roof clearly wasn't supposed to happen. Why doesn't it just fly out, she said. Why is it still there? Go on, Pigeon. There's a hole in the roof for you to fly through. You can escape. She looked up at the hole that showed a patch of sky. Clouds passing by, she couldn't look away. When she was in the building, she never thought about the outside. But there it was. And it had been there all the time. A grey sky and grey clouds on the other side of the hole in the roof. Even when she was outside, she never looked up at the sky. But now, she couldn't take her eyes off it. It felt like someone or something was gripping the back of her neck. She couldn't turn her head away. It was like a dream she'd forgotten. A dream she was remembering. A dream on the tip of her tongue. She could taste it. She could feel the outside air on her face. She closed her eyes and could smell the trees. She could hear thin branches clattering in the wind. The pigeon sat on its high perch and watched her. Are you still getting headaches? No, they're pretty much gone and the ache in my shoulder, the crick in my neck. The sleep lab must be doing me some good. Can you describe what it's like to go down to the sleep lab? Yeah, it's strange. It's always the same. I'm walking down this narrow woodland track. It's all so green. It's slippy. It's just rained. The air is so fresh. Water falling off the leaves, showering cold raindrops on me. I nearly slip in the mud, nearly lose my step. There's birds singing all around me. I look up into the trees to see if I can see them, but the foliage is too dense, too varied. All those different greens, it's overpowering. The earthy smell and between the leaves, the sky, blue, white clouds. It's beautiful. The path leads me down to a beach. We can see you. You're walking on the warm sand, your feet sinking with each step as you walk barefoot, grains of sand slip between your toes, rolling waves, deep blue sky, the sea is right in front of you. Yeah, I can feel the fresh salty spray on my face, I'm going in. I'm going in the sea for a swim. It's cold. It's electrifyingly cold. I'm swimming away from the shore. Can you hear that? It's like someone calling out. Someone's calling my name. Sam, can you hear those voices? Wait. There's something down there. Something below the surface. There's someone down there. There's people. There's people in the water below me. I'm diving down. We swam out to meet her. Welcomed her with open arms. Though truth be told, we were more than a little afraid of the unwrought, unrefined, untempered, untrained force that was about to burst forth from inside her. As she is, 
She is too raw, too impulsive, too easily distracted, too impatient, too arrogant, too insensitive, too indifferent, too careless, too heartless, too unfocused, too dangerous. And so it fell upon us to guide her, shape her, so when the time comes she'll be ready to act accordingly.